Thanks, Pamela, for reading that to us. And you will probably find it useful to have that open in front of you. That's Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 25 on page 1124 of those pew Bibles. But before I start, let's, let's pray. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we may see the wonders of your word. Amen. Now they say that patience is a virtue. Indeed, some suggest that patience is the greatest virtue. Regrettably, I struggle with patience. I don't like standing in queues or sitting for hours at airports waiting to board a plane. And as my wife will testify, I find these things very frustrating. But many others are blessed with great patience, blessed with the ability to wait and wait without constantly checking the clock. As most of you know, I love cricket, and over the years, they've suggested that patience is what is needed to succeed in test match cricket. So, having been a lover of cricket for many, many years, two fine examples of people who have played with patience would be Jeffrey Boycott and perhaps also uh, Sir Alistair Cook, both batsmen who have that ability to just wait, 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 wait until that bad ball comes and the bad ball comes and they knock that for four, or in Boycott's tech, uh, case, just a single. Simeon, who we meet here in Luke chapter 2, he had been a patient man. We're introduced to him, aren't we, in verse 25. Verse 25. He's described as someone who is righteous and devout, upright in the sight of the Lord. He's also said to be waiting, waiting patiently for what is described as the constellation, constellation of Israel, the time when the Messiah would come to Israel and redeem his people. Well, you see, throughout history, um, or throughout their history, the people of Israel had suffered, hadn't they? They suffered um, mainly through their own sin, their rebellion against God, their failure to follow God as they should. They suffered also with the oppression of others. And the Old Testament is full of times when the land of Israel was overrun, overrun by foreign powers who knew the strategic importance of this area, which connected Africa, Europe, Asia. And the book of Exodus is also, that describes the people of God suffering under slavery in Egypt, and centuries later, they suffered by being exiled in Babylon. In short, they were what could be described as a deflated people in spiritual doldrums, in need of consolation. God's people needed comfort, a permanent comfort from the Lord, which had been promised to them long ago. And you would need to look back into Isaiah chapter 40, where we hear of the sovereign Lord. One day, the promise that one day he would come with power to comfort his people, to tend his flock like a shepherd. In Amos also we hear, the days are coming, declares the Lord, the days when I will restore David's fallen tent and repair its broken pieces. These were the promises made, but now, hundreds of years later, 
time had passed. Time had passed until this day when the baby Jesus is taken into the temple. So did anyone still believe those old sayings? Perhaps people thought that God had forgotten those words spoken years and years ago. Many perhaps had their doubts by now. But Simeon? No. Simeon hadn't. Simeon's life had been propelled forward by hope. He shared the hope preached by the prophets. And here is the first point I really want to make today. He believed the promises of God. He believed the promises of God. Do we? Simeon had waited eagerly, patiently, to one day see God's appointed Messiah. And in fact, the Holy Spirit had revealed to him, according to verse 26, that he would certainly not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And today is the day, Simeon. Imagine what he's been fe- what he'll be feeling. Suddenly, his patience has been rewarded on this with this baby, this baby who's brought, in, brought into the temple. Let me now read from verse 27, where he where moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now everyone gathers around a newborn baby. There's something so exciting to see a child within its first few weeks of life. Jesus was probably only about six weeks old as his parents went into the temple to present their new baby to God as was the custom for all firstborn children. And now after all his waiting, all his patient waiting, Simeon, now holds this baby in his arms. And he praises God, doesn't he? He praises God in these words of this, it's, it's a song, isn't it? It's now called the Nung Demistus, if I pronounce that correctly. If I haven't, somebody will presumably tell me afterwards. Now we presume Simeon is old because it says that he's now ready for his death, ready to be dismissed in peace. But the text doesn't actually tell us that, does it? Instead, there's only a presumption here of a long time that he's waited for this great and wonderful moment. Now, according to a certain book, which I'm sure some of you may well have been reading this Advent, The Radiant Dawn, written by somebody called Tom Parsons, I think, um, the book says that this song combines two emotions. Two emotions. Perfect contentment and excited anticipation. There's perfect contentment because in Jesus, the consolation Israel had hoped for has finally come. Total salvation lies wrapped in the arms as Simeon cradles the fulfillment of all true hope. When Simeon says he's 
ready to die. It's the opposite of hopelessness here because what he's actually saying is that his hopes have been fulfilled. He's truly happy now. He's full of joy. He's, he's ready to go straight away without, without um, passing go, without collecting 200 pounds. He's ready to pass without any further delay into the heavenly life promised to God's people. For him, it is perfect contentment. Simeon had believed the promises of God. He trusted them for many years, and he's seen those promises fulfilled. There's also excited anticipation because Jesus will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. He's not just there as savior of Israel. He's going to be the savior of the whole world. And in the Old Testament, God's purposes had centered on Jerusalem, and that's why Simeon was there. But God's purposes were always intended for the whole earth. And this is excited anticipation from Simeon. Sign is also of him responding to God's call. And that's my second point today. He responded to the call of the Savior. He responded to the call of the Savior. Have you? Will you? Well, as Christians living here in the 21st century, we need to be patient, don't we? Jesus has promised that one day he will return again. But that promise was, of course, given over 2,000 years ago. Do we still trust and believe that promise? Are we eagerly anticipating Jesus' return? Do we think perhaps God has forgotten us? Some might. But Simeon, Simeon believed, and he responded to God's call. Are we ready to meet our maker? I'm not, I'm not wishing any of you dead. Please don't uh, think that for any moment. But the question needs to be uh, raised. Are we content knowing we've done everything we could do to serve God? Can we say we have responded to his call? At Christmas time, um, so many people simply focus on the nativity scene as they look at the baby Jesus. For many people, that nativity scene is, is wrapped away as, uh, and it's left and put away into the loft, isn't it, once uh, Christmas finishes. And then Christmas is over and we put away the thoughts of Jesus. Some people think that they outgrow Jesus, don't they? Um, think we can just leave him as a baby, forget about him maybe. But he's not irrelevant, is he? He's not irrelevant at all. He will be irrelevant if you just think of him wrapped in cloths and placed in a manger. But Jesus, of course, grew and grew and became the man. Please, let's also move on from the Christmas story because Luke does record Jesus growing up. And throughout Luke's account... Jesus' life, he called people to respond to his message. Indeed, Luke, his account of Jesus explodes the, the myth that Jesus was just a baby to remember at Christmas, whereas this baby is for all year round. This baby Jesus is significant. He is God's salvation to his people. He is our saviour as he lays down his life on the cross for our sin and brings us forgiveness 
And then Jesus rises again to give us hope that one day we will be raised with him to a new life. Jesus was called a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to Israel. One Christmas a few years ago, our family went down to Bedgebury, Pineetum, and we went to visit their Christmas experience to walk in what they describe as the illuminated trail. And it's one mile of lights, sounds of Christmas, of this wonderful time of the year. The trees were, were full of Christmas lights and lasers were shining all over the place. It is a wonderful scene. I'm sure some of you may well have gone to other places like that. Everybody who, who was there seemed to be enjoying themselves, watching and walking through these lights. But if there'd been a power cut, it would have been very, very different, wouldn't it? Been stumbling around in the dark. Well, thankfully, the lights did stay on. Jesus is our light to get us to our destination. We simply need to follow that light. Yet the Bible also talks of people preferring the darkness and ignoring Jesus. Well, this morning I ask, do you respond when the Christmas, how do you respond when the Christmas lights are turned off? How do you respond after that baby in the manger is, is put away? Please do not forget Jesus. Simeon declares that he's seen God's salvation when he looks at the baby Jesus. For this salvation, we need to look at the adult Jesus as well, to see the cross where Jesus took our sin upon himself and paid the punishment that we deserve. Jesus didn't deserve death, but he willingly went to the cross for you and me. And it's there at the cross that Jesus truly becomes our salvation. Simeon was a watchman waiting to see God's salvation. He waited in the place where God was thought to dwell, the temple. He waited to be in the, the he wanted to be in the place where God was holding on to, uh, where, where a place where he was holding on to God's promises. Now this was not some vague hope, like the hope I have that Norwich might one day get back to the Premier League, but uh, no, this was not wishful thinking. This was certain, a certain hope. Now, I've told this story before, but I, I really enjoy telling it. But a few years ago, I went to see a test match down at the Oval. And I posted on Facebook in the morning that I was going. I was dreaming of seeing Alistair Cook, who was playing in, their last, in his last match for England. I said I wanted to see him get 100. I also said I was dreaming of Kohli, the great Indian captain, getting out first ball. And you know what? Both of those came true. Cook was about 40-odd um, not out overnight. And uh, when he got to his 100, a seven-minute applause from the crowd, not just for that innings, but also for his whole career. And then later in the evening, the mighty Kohli, one of the best batsmen in the world, he came out. And to his very first ball, he edged it behind out for a golden duck. Now... I was ecstatic, having put it in writing at the beginning of the day, that now at the end of the day, my dreams had come true. So am I a prophet? No, I'm just an optimistic English cricket fan. Well, Simeon, he was full of hope. He was full of hope, but a certain guaranteed hope and Christian hope does not disappoint 
Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us that faith is being sure of what we hoped for and certain of what we do not see. Simeon demonstrated great faith and this song is full of praise. Praise to the bright light. Praise to the overwhelming light to the Gentiles. Have you seen this light? Simeon believed the promises of God. Do you? Simeon responded to the call of the Savior. Have you? Will you? But there was turbulence ahead, wasn't there? Look at verses 33 to 35, what he also says. The child's father and mother was marveled at what it was said. Then Simeon blessed him and said, This child is destined to cause the fall-in and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Blessing is possible through Jesus, but there's also an explicit statement here of turbulence, the turbulence that Jesus will bring. Jesus, you see, exposes hearts. He exposes the thoughts of many hearts. Jesus holds a mirror to our hearts, to people's deepest motives. Many times people queued up to test Jesus, only to find themselves exposed. The rich man asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus spoke of the parable of the Good Samaritan, told him to go and do likewise. Well, Jesus forces a decision. We must either be for him or against him. If we wrap him away after Christmas, we are rejecting him. But if we take him seriously, then we must believe and accept him. We must respond to him and follow him. Jesus determines destinies. This child destined to cause the fall and rise of many. With him around, there is no need to wait for the final judgment to know where a person will stand in relation to God. Our reaction to him now reveals our reaction to, now reveals his reaction to us on that day when he returns again. For Jesus, there was turbulence ahead. On the cross, he was pierced with a sword. And I'm sure his mother, mother suffered deep in her soul as she watched her own son die. Yet Mary was, only, was, was one of the first to go to the empty tomb to know the certainty that Jesus had risen again. Well, this morning, as we draw to a close, let me urge us all to continue to be patient, to be patient until Jesus returns. But this patience should not be with crossed arms and impatience as if, as if uh, queuing for the checkout. Instead, like Simeon, let's be full of hope, hope for the Savior who will be a light to all nations. Let us keep believing God's promises. Let us look always to that light and point others towards a light that doesn't get turned off after Christmas to be forgotten about until next year. This morning, let us respond to his call and let us urge others also to respond to that same call, to turn back to Jesus, to follow him, to give him the glory he deserves, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year. Praise God for Jesus.
Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this glorious and wonderful salvation you gave to console your people. Forgive us, Lord, if we are uh, restless, if we are impatient in any way as we wait for, for Jesus' return. Shine in us today. Give us contentment. Give us that excited anticipation as we look forward to the day when Jesus will come back. Help us always to believe your promises in the meantime and to respond to your call upon our lives. Amen.